create with France Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. This is France Sydney today with Hector Quiroga all the way from the United States. And uh, Hector is a lawyer who has been talking to us before about his story and his book that was called Prove Them Wrong. Is that correct? Yes, 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 that is France. I got it, I got it. So welcome again to the show, Hector. Thank you for having me again. Love to talk to your audience again. So uh, glad to talk about this important subject uh, close to my heart. It is. In fact, I have not introduced the subject and today we're going to talk about family reunification in immigration, which is a very critical lifeline for vulnerable children and societal well-being. And this is a position that Hector knows very well how to maintain because he was in Colombia and then he moved to the United States and he witnesses every day the um, disaster that happens. And as we do, you know, every day in society when the father is not in the home and when the family gets destroyed for any reason, so we don't want to destroy the family. And this is very, very important to talk about why families should stay together from a legal point of view, etc., because there are emotional and educational uh, attainment and we, you know, we want to reach and we can't because our family is separated. So how did you learn about this topic firsthand and legally? So, you know, there is my, I'm a Colombian immigrant in the, in the U.S. And so, you know, you, you leave your country, you leave your family, your grandparents. Uh, the first thing that I, I learned was uh, when I was being introduced to the U.S. culture is that the concept of family is very different, right? So for us, for Latino, Hispanics, you, you, you know, your cousins, your second cousins, your grandparents, your uncles, we have a very broad understanding of family. Maybe Italians seem to have this for, for what I read and I see. Just family is a very extensive. Well, it's not quite so like that in the US. Uh, yes, you have family, but it's, it's, it's really mom, dad, and the kids. That's really family. Uh, and, and where I'm basing this on is really from the statutes and the law, like the, the rights that somebody have under a family structure are really based on if you are an immediate relative. So there's this, this, this sort of peer-based family, right? So there is your immediate relatives and then there are relatives that are relatives but they're not immediate. And, and it's a startling thing. It's like, like a child uh, is your immediate relative your parents is your immediate relative, but your siblings are not immediate relative. Well, how, how can that be, right? And so you see this in immigration when you file a petition, for example, you can petition for your parents, your parents can petition for you, so long as some things happen, if you're, if you're, if you're single, for example. Um, and if you were to petition for a sibling, you're waiting, depending on which country you are from, 10, 15, 20 year wait. But if it's a parent, child, you may be waiting uh, depending on the age, but you may be waiting six months to a year. So the, so the differences are huge. I mean, decades versus just months or years is very, very huge. And so, and again, if and if this child, you're going to petition for a child, and your child is married, doesn't matter if the child married at a very young age, the marriage now makes that not an immediate relative. It's like your child now has his own family. And so... It's very interesting because to me, it was just betting in my mind. It's like, how can you say that your, your child is always your child, no? I mean, that never changed. Well, not under some uh, legal concepts. And so then that's just family. And then we go into the whole reunification piece that 
is also complete um, different vortex of concepts that come into play. So yeah, it's it's basically by bureaucracy we put behind the wheel. So we get in the whole movement that is not able to come. And of course, as you were saying, and I do anticipate I am Italian, if you in 184 episodes have not worked without through my accent, um, well, you're not listening because <laughs> my accent is very thick. But uh, yes, in Italy, I remember going to, in the Milan area, some areas um, called like I can't remember which area, I mean, it was Lambro, but you see all these houses with archways and they are built all together and they were like massive. And it was lots of them, we call them Aschera. And you see them and you see, well, it's a quite a large house, you see, yeah, but that's for the whole family. So you have the grandparents, the parents, the children, um, and then you have the cousins <laughs> and the second cousin. I was like, yeah, but that's how it is, you know, in lots of parts of Italy, you will have this constant mixing and matching you are going on holiday with your cousins I had a cousin they stayed in my house for two years she worked with my mom she helped with us and we're still such great friends today we have such a huge connection and and family for us was everyone you know um, I was raised my grandmother for two years my parents were so busy and they were entrepreneurs they had so many companies they just didn't have the time so when I was seven to ten i was not with parents i was with grandparents and you, you touch on an interesting subject and i think something that i i i think is kind of sad in the united states um but is a reality and that is you know we have this social security system that steps in to help you in your uh, old or uh, advanced age right and that's kind of foreign to to a lot of cultures. I see here the Vietnamese culture, a lot of Asian cultures, and the Latino cultures typically is exactly what you're talking about. You have you have uh, kids, and then you you grow up and you become a professional. But while you get prepared, when you go to college, and when you go to uh, your beginning of your career, you're kind of with your parents. Then you kind of make your own family. Um, your parents help you and then you have children and now it is your duty to kind of help your grandparents but they are in turn helping you raise your children while you go to earn in the, in the workplace it, it sort of kind of becomes this sort of like you know progression and then as you grow pretty soon you're going to have grandchildren and then your kids are kind of going to help take care of you while you help them take care of their kids and it just kind of continues that's kind of like the social security system of the world this is how you used to work and at least in these cultures that i that i pointed out um but here it's not like that it was really like you uh you know you leave at the age of 18 or 21 depending on what happens if you marry and then you're not immediate relative anymore and you are hoping that this social security system that your 401k uh, and in many, many cases, the, the only source of support you have. So you got a lot of uh, like family homes, for example, you got, you go, you're going to retirement into these uh, places. Some of them are lovely, um, but a lot of them are, 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 have a lot of issues. Now, I'm not sure if what you experience is, is, is similar, but for me, you know, taking one of your parents to one to one of those places would just be a disgrace to the family almost. It's just like, you don't do that. You know, uh, that's just not, acceptable and you know i've come around a little bit just you know we had a situation with uh cases my, my wife's uh uh dad you know he got really really sick he developed uh, alzheimer's it was dangerous for him to be home he would grab the keys of the car and wanted to drive when he just really was not conditioned to do that he had a you know he was kind of 
he had a some um he had a urostomy back on him because he had to go to some very serious uh cancer treatment uh where they had to remove some pieces of, of his prostate and things like that but he would just rip it off and, and and throw it out and so it was very difficult so he needed medical care you know around the clock and so we had to kind of place him in a place uh, a little bit there and just visit him and, and and just kind of do that this only happened for six months before he passed so i see the need for something like that i live there right it's this idea that we can we can care for our parents forever is is is, is great but they get a point where it's just too difficult and we're not medical professionals either i mean it's the point that 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 managing the medicine managing these things are difficult so i see both sides but I wish we had a little bit more in the United States of this sort of duty to care for uh, our parents when they and, and then their duty to care for our children so we can continue the family's uh, name forward. I think that's kind of one way to say it. Yes, of course, and also teaches the children that we're all responsible for one another. We We care. And also, in my opinion, we shouldn't relegate old people to an old people's home. They have given everything to us. And now, unless they have, as you said, a very important essential medical need, so they have to be out because we, we cannot care for them. So it's in their interest. Um, it is very important that those children learn to see that the wisdom of the old people is appreciated and we are listening to them. I love my grandmother, I always love little people. And when we don't do that, we don't allow them to, to learn anything. And you know, the emotional impact is huge. It's really, it's really, yeah, you, you're touching a huge subject, and that is there is value at all of the stages of our lives, right? And so we have this value when we are getting old, we're old, old elderly, and we can still share with our grandkids and take care of them, at least watch them. The children, the child is receiving that, uh, but it's also very good for the child as well, because that also helping their grandparents and is showing them compassion and is showing them the value of the grandparents. And I think it's a very symbiotic relationship. And I honestly think this is why God created it this way. I, th I think that we just, you know, there is studies that say how good it is for uh, a, a, a an elderly individual to talk to a child. It's just, it, or they, they get this journey for caring again, right? It's kind of like they do. And we've seen that on Alzheimer patients, uh, they tend to, uh, usually women, but they tend to uh, get a little doll and take care of the doll. And they just got this sort of idea of, of taking care of the dolls. One of the things that they do sometimes when they are kind of not really, it's like they start living a different reality. They they sort of start getting really attached to those things. And I think like, what, why, why do we have to do that with a doll? Why don't we have the grandkids around providing that love and support for them? And I, I that's one thing that, I think the U.S. could do better, and that is that generational taking care of. And truthfully, we kind of have to go to bad back to that because the systems, the social security system, the Medicaid system, is not it's not doing well at all. I mean, I, there is not a lot of money in the system anymore. There is a lot more people retiring, collecting the benefits than the people contributing to the benefit. Like this didn't happen in the sixties and 70s when it was set up and when it was developed and when it, when it grew a lot. So now you you, you have a, a budget program, right? Uh, when it's just fully reliant on that. And you were talking not only about this, but about, about the impact of a separation of this family. What are the consequences when the children cannot have parents together, when they're not 
with your family? What happens to them in your experience? So this is very traumatic. And, you know, we like to think in terms of trauma as a an event, a huge event, right? And, and, and some of it is very, uh, in the case of my clients, you know, as an immigration lawyer, you know, I've seen um, uh, officers take away the child from mother, right? Like when she's breastfeeding, right? Take it away. And, and so that's very traumatic, right? It's just like, you know, mom is crying, she's devastated, the child understands something is not going right. Uh, and they just they just kind of separate. Well, one of the things that these type of separations create, and even, even when it is not necessarily visual, just, just the idea that your parent may not come back from work any minute, right? It just starts creating a little bit of resentment towards actually law enforcement. You just start seeing a lot of this. The police is the bad person because the police is the person who's going to take my father away or my mother away. Children don't understand why or they don't get into politics. All they know is that they were having dinner with dad and the next day dad is not there. So you got you got you get that effect that effect against and that's just for law enforcement, but authority in general, right? You get, you get people, you get kids that, that can be pretty sensitive towards any kind of authority, including the school. But also this sort of idea of abandonment, right? This, this whole idea of uh, at any moment on time, the, the, the shoe's gonna, the other shoe's gonna drop, right? This, this, and that's very much what what clinical psychologists describe as as pretty much anxiety, right? If you if you see and when we get anxious, and I think we all experience this, we just may not want to label it, right? But we just sort of experience that you feel that something is about to happen or something is not quite right and you just can't really place your hand, your finger on it. You may look at, you may look at everything. So the person who gets up at night and goes and check whether or not the, the door, the door is locked. Right? You're going to go and it's locked, everything's locked. The stove is off, I'm checking everything, but somehow I still have this impending feeling of doom. Is, is, is this happens a lot with 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 kids who have experiences right so this sense of abandonment the other, the other issue is which is devastating and what is happening in the us is that we have a lot i think it's being reduced it was like six thousand children and now it's down to like about a thousand who have not been able to be reunited with their families and we're talking about when uh the the prior administration um, put these kids and you saw the, the cages and you saw these things and so what happened they went into detention centers and the detention center they had to you had to kind of keep the kids by ages and sometimes by gender or whatever they had to kind of so instead of building walls they kind of put this sort of fencing and pretty soon you had cages for kids I and mean, this is just kind of like you know and it just, it became very, very uh, just political. Well, one of these campaigns or this, this president's pleas uh, on the campaign trail was to, he was gonna reunite those kids to, to their parents. Now, when they came into the uh, administration and when it was discovered was that you don't have, um, they didn't have records. They didn't know who the parents were. They didn't know. They didn't know who the custodian was. They didn't know, and so it became very difficult to find who the parent custodian of these kids were. And there's still about at last report I read was about 786 children who had not been able to be reunited with families. Now we're talking about we're on the campaign for the next election is starting. So we're three years and a half in, 
and these children are not reunited with their families. And that's just, that is outrageous, I think. I think aside from what we feel on any kind of political spectrum, uh, just the fact that a, a government will take a family, will separate it, not have records of who goes with who, and then all these are little kids that, you know, they're one to four to, to 10 year old. They, they can't even verbalize their name in so many, in their own name, much less the parents' names. And so it's very, very hard to see that. It is heartbreaking. And I think, you know, I don't want to go into political or anything, because that's not what the podcast is about. But honestly, when you see the kids roaming the streets because there's nobody home, because the mom is working three jobs, there is no father. The father is somewhere else for whatever reason. Right. They don't have a stable family figure. They cannot go to any relatives because there isn't one. Because maybe they've been family situations where the family is broken, etc. Right. And you see that they're not nurtured properly, so they're not likely to have all this um, academic success or uh, job success because they actually they have no loyalty. They have no purpose, and they feel rejected. And um, I know about a lot of people, especially ladies who grew up with this situation and um, they are constantly clinging to the partners because they think they're going to be abandoned and it's not very clear to them. It's very subconscious. And so they keep going into these toxic, abusive relationships because that's all they know. It's the father will leave, my mother is not going to be there. So we have no compassion for these people, but when they grow up, they might become very hardened or very clingy or have emotional problems, they will have a huge toll on society right. on many levels. So obviously always mindful of my time. Knowing that the, the family is the, the fulcrum, the center of the society, what are some steps that we can take to help families to stay together, be together and um, be the center right. of his family, in your opinion? So, so in, in my opinion, okay, and this is a US-based sort of form opinion, okay, I, I think that we have sort of glorified uh, divorce, we have followed, glorified other things, and I think that, sure, you shouldn't be happy in a situation, you shouldn't be in an unhappy relationship or in an abusive relationship, but it, be, but it swung almost way too far now, right, what it is actually is uncommon anymore, at least from what I see for people who are married versus uh, what we call uh, married singles, which is people who are uh, not married, but they live almost as if they were, right? Uh, their boyfriend and girlfriend living under one roof, they're pulling resources together, but they really don't want the commitment because either they don't believe on marriage or they don't believe on any anything. And so what happens is sort of like as shaken marriage is not just a, a oh, family or even a religious concept. It is a civil concept. It is a lawful concept. Like the, the tax code in the United States was built around families. How much was your household income? And based on that, you are taxed. This is by household. So it's very much what you're talking about. The, the family unit is not just, it is a legal thing. It's a taxable thing. It's very much tangible. So we got a, a society that is sort of built around it, but not really. We don't really encourage them to stay together. We, we, you know, we obviously need options for people who can or will not stay together. But let's go back to the benefits of staying together. And I think really the long lasting effect is in the children. The, the, you know, I come from a family that was broken, right? And I do look back and I say, you know, I saw my mom work so hard, but uh, in a way, mom, mom was trying to be mom and dad 
And truthfully, she was neither of those two because she was just working all the time. She was, uh, and then she would try to be this, the disciplinarian as well. And and so it just, I, I never had a mother that was very uh, emotional because she felt that she had to wear the mask of, of, of this disciplinarian. And so it just, it was, it created a very awkward position and I had to work through my, my trauma. You guys saw it on the book and other things. I had to really get down and, and see, okay, where, where are these reactions coming from? Why did I, uh, and from the book, you look at, you look at it from perspective of business, right? So one of the issues that I detected is I couldn't really delegate. I couldn't delegate. Um, I, I didn't want anybody touching my email. I didn't want anybody touching my voicemail, right? Uh, that's not, and it's very hard for a lawyer to be checking all his mail, checking all his email. I was, you, you, you do, you hire a paralegal and they help you with these things, right? I couldn't do that. That was difficult for me. And it was difficult because I had massive trust issues. <laughs> I had trust issues because, you know, my father uh, uh, left the house. Uh, he didn't, I don't want to say he abandoned us because he continued to be on my life, but he wasn't there every night. In fact, I was him every once a month if that. So it felt like I was abandoned in many ways, right? Uh, and then the other issues that happen that I describe on the book. But I think this is what happens to societies, right? You just, you start losing the trust. And so you can't, you can delegate the, the idea of I can't if I have to do it if some, if I want something done correctly or done properly I have to do it I hear this a lot well why is that really are you really the only person who knows how to manage an email account <laughs> are you only the only person who is proactive and can't put something in a calendar you know the answer is now but somehow we struggle with these things right? we struggle very much and I think it comes from how we were raised so these communities that are seeking family communication, not only are being affected today, I think the, the, the effects of generations down the road are just going to be devastating for society as a whole. Yeah, I totally agree. And of course, we're not encouraging people who are in an abusive situation or whose husband or wife is in addicted to porn or hitting the kids or on drugs. We're nowhere near encouraging to remain because the family, because that's not the family anymore. That's somebody who needs therapy, needs detox and whatever. But in normal cases, uh, we see a lot of people that just run off. That's first problem. And we we have to learn, you know, from the old generation to communicate better and be compassionate. But all this starts from the beginning. So we have to have create this family, then nurture the family. But also we have to have this legal framework that allows a family to thrive. And so I'm really thankful that you talked about such an important topic because I think, you know, all these family that are broken. I mean, mine was broken, yours was broken. And why does this happen? And where, where is yeah. the real help? And the help is all actually working together, isn't it? Yeah. And, I, and I had situations, and again, my career as a lawyer, you, you learn things, very personal things from people because they tell you, and it's like, I try to understand as much, but I do see some cases in which I go, hmm, interesting. They, they're getting divorced because one wanted to live in one city and the other one wanted to live in a different city. And they couldn't conciliate. And that's why now, this is why we're told. We don't know really what happens closed door. But I feel as like, wow, that seems like there is many solutions to that. Can we can we live six months here? Can we live six months there? I mean, lots of people do that. Uh, you know, do you see this a lot in Europe? People live in many countries. I mean, they live some period of time, maybe the winter we're here, or, or maybe we visit each other, or maybe, maybe we get a city middle of the... There is so many solutions that you can craft to that issue that I thought interesting, right? 
um, or you know, just people says like that. Ah, we're just not that into each other, and and I feel like, well, wait, can we can we try a little bit harder, right? Uh, again, you're probably right. If we're talking about abuse and, and and just excessive things like that, well, nobody should tolerate disrespect or those type of things. But 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 if we're gonna make marriage or family or household the tax system. The, the, the retirement system, the, the systems that have been created in societies, then we definitely have to, we have a vested interest on keeping people in a family culture. Yeah. And I always say to people, would you take a job if you went to Warner Bros., you know, Disney, big company, and, um, and they tell you, you are on zero hours, so we're not going to give you a contract. You don't, we don't know when we're going to fire you. And you're like, whoa, but I want some security. What's going to be like my pay? Ah, oh, we're not going to tell you, just random. Oh, what time yeah. do I have to start to work and what time do I finish? Oh, we're not going to tell you that. It's all like there. We don't want to be too committed. Just come when you go and go whenever you want and finish when you like, but we're going to pay you maybe. But maybe at some point we can just let you go. Would you get a job like that? No. So why would you not get married and actually have a little bit of a promise that you are actually going to try? Although lots of people now don't even do that because we you want to have security. And when the children see a different partner coming and a different one and a different one and a different one, they're like, all right, family is like this kind of moving thing. So I don't know where when I'm crying and I need help, who do I turn to? Who are my parents? Who are my grandparents? Who are my cousins? They don't right. have it. And people, I know they will attack me for this, but if we don't clarify what a family is, whatever kind of family yours is, it has to be united. It has to have yeah. some clear points where the child knows where to go if you've got a problem. Yeah, and you know, as you think about this, like we also kind of remove a lot of the consequences, especially for men. And so, what happened in the U.S. and I don't know if this happens where we're, we're in each different jurisdiction, but the U.S. has become just about in every state what we call a no-fault divorce. In other words, when you have ir ir irreparable and irreconcilable differences, you can break your marriage. You take your stuff. I'll take my stuff. There is no fault. In other words, we're not even going to go into it. And so what happens is, is if one person cheats, if the other person is dishonest, if the other person um, really takes a lot. So this was supposed to protect mainly women, but it actually is kind of creating an opposite effect because it's, if, if, if women get cheated on, they can be not only be cheated on, but you're leaving the marriage with just about what you had when you, when you have it or if you have some other agreement, half is kind of the best you can. That's not how it used to be. How it used to be is if you if your spouse leaves you and you cheat on her, uh, you're gonna pay a significant amount of the premium for having done that. Uh, there is a there's a point, and so there is now like a disincentive really to be together um, and and not to necessarily be kind to the other individual. Right now, I think that in the concept of marriage, we are also so different constructs of marriage anymore, right? But it. It, 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 it creates this ability just to walk out at any minute. Well, I'll take my stuff and I leave. What were you together for then? Uh, and, and is this how, how it is? And so I think this is interesting. Obviously, it's helped many people. I think there's disagreement on this, uh, but I think that no-fault divorce has created a situation where people can walk out a lot easier without really putting a little bit more commitment into it, barring what you and I are talking about, in, including in those situations. When you have a situation of abuse, 
there's no fault. We're not going to look at anything, and so that in those jurisdictions is very is very difficult to 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 show the consequence at least financially to someone, mm. right? And and I'm so sorry that we are you know the half an hour is gone and we have to close, but I could okay. be talking the whole day about this, and I, I really yes. hope that we can open this discussion on how the society and the legal framework and all the organizations and charity and whatever structures we have that can help the family to find solutions and to get together and maybe pray together for those people who pray and and actually get those emotional regulation self-regulation skills that are needed so we don't shout and yell and get angry and get drunk and, and just destroy everything because you know what the problem you have when you divorce they're going to follow you. If away from you, you're going to have the same problem when you go to the next marriage. It's going to be exactly the same until you fix yourself. Of course, if it's the other person, then you are free and that, that's good. But I, I really hope that the law will also step in to help instead of hinder the reunification of families. As you, you touch on, on God for a second, and, and as a Catholic, I, you know, we believe that marriage is between men and women and the Holy Spirit. So there's the, the Holy Spirit component would be two, two spouses and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sort of sort of help us kind of bind together and kind of is helpful because it's not, you, you, when, especially when you have a fight or cons, um, conflict, not me against the other person, you got, a, you got a higher power that you got to answer to and it helps level things out. And so I think law, spirituality, religion, you know, society, the expectations play a huge role on this family and keeping family united and reunited if we need to do that. Yes, so good. And I could talk forever, but we need to follow the time. So thank you so much, Hector Quiroga, lawyer in the United States. Thank you so much for being with us again. It's been such a pleasure. And we, who knows, maybe third episode. Awesome. Thank you, France. And thanks, everybody, all of your audience for having me. Yeah, thank you, everyone. If you like this episode, please share it so they can learn more about family reunifications, which is very hard to say. Thank you, everyone, and bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You've listened to Create with Franz Sidney.